The following program deals with a controversial subject. The theories expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all available information. This is your captain speaking. We are beginning our descent into madness. The Independent FM Radio. Another edition of West of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late for uh, some of you, but tonight we're going to make it worth your while. Genevieve, how are you doing? Still all right. Just doing like good? every week. <laughs> That's hey, always good to hear. It's Sunday night. It's West of the Rockies. How could I not be doing well? Yeah, no, you know what? And I'm really <laughs> excited because like I said at the, at the beginning of the program, um, I'm really excited for October. I quite enjoy Halloween. I enjoy all the spooky, it's scary... It's my birthday. That, that's all I have to say. And it's your birthday. Yeah, I mean... If, <laughs> If you're fortunate enough to have your birthday on Halloween month, I'm sure you yeah, have a very cool, cool theme party. At least I would. But tonight, to continue with that theme, we have a really, really cool guest, which mm -hmm. I will allow you, Genevieve, to introduce. So, if you would. All right. Well, for this evening, we've got Houston Huddleston on air. Um, he's a writer for TV and film. He's the CEO of New Starship Foundation and the founder of both the Hollywood Science Fiction Museum and the Hollywood Horror Museum. The son of Oscar-nominated composer Floyd Huddleston, as well as singer Nancy Adams, Houston's been drawn towards the creative arts for years now. He's composed over a hundred songs for various artists to date, written several screenplays and musicals, and he's even written two animated films for Don Bluth, who's the animation director, as some of you might know, of movies such as The Rescuers and Pete's Dragon. Two of my favorites. I know that for sure. <laughs> so tonight we'll be talking all things horror, sci-fi and paranormal, but before we welcome Houston onto the show, let's throw it to this short video clip. And for the people watching or actually tuning in through iHeartRadio or maybe catching the podcast, we're going to be linking this video once the show is posted. So Genevieve, if you would, do well, us the honors. With that, we'd love to welcome Mr. Huddleston here onto West of the Rockies. Yes, uh, Houston, can you hear us okay? Good evening, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to join us tonight. Uh, we really appreciate it, and, and we are really excited that, you, that you're on, because what you're doing, let me tell you, is no small feat. We're talking about not just one, but two museums, but let's, let's take this one at a time. We just finished watching a trailer for the uh, Hollywood Horror Museum. Mm -hmm. Right. Why don't you tell me a little bit about how you got, or, or where did the idea come from to do something like this? Well, we actually... Uh, I. Uh... So you found the old video. We actually have a more updated video that has Joe Dante in it and has me in it uh, explaining the uh, what the museum will actually be like. Because uh, just to go back, the way this whole thing started, I found the Bridge of the Enterprise from Star Trek, from The Next Generation. Mm -hmm. And it was built for the... The original TV show version was destroyed in the early 90s. It was blown up in the movie Generations. Oh, like wow. 94. I think, mm -hmm. and for the they, it was the same set they used for ten years for the t or seven years for the TV show, and then they bulldozed it. It was gone. Oh, bye wow. bye. You know, uh -huh. and then they started to do a Star Trek tour in the late '90s, and they said, "Ah, crap! What do we do now?" And mm -hmm. so they built 
a more durable version because those guys who had built the TV show, that was only like four years before that. So all the same guys were still working for them and alive and all this stuff. So they built this touring bridge that was made out of fiberglass and metal and mm-hmm. heavy-duty materials as opposed to TV shows, which are wood and, you know, cardboard, you know. Right, uh, right. So they used it on a tour for a few years, and then they left it outside for over five years, and that's when I found it in 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. And I rescued it. And because they were going to destroy it. And wow. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but mm-hmm. I have to save it. So I started a whole campaign. I got all of the guys from Star Trek, Ronald E. Moore wow. and uh, Rick Sternbach and Andy Probert. All these guys created Star Trek, Back to the Future, Battlestar Galactica, you know, go down the line of right. sci-fi shows. And wow. David Gerald, who, who wrote the, the Trouble with Tribbles, you know, those, these kind of people. <laughs> and... So I got very lucky, and they all agreed to be a part of this. And then about a year went by, and we realized there is no museum in the world that could accommodate the Bridge of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's so massive. Right. And, yeah, okay for a six-month, three-month tour, but yeah. not permanently. Mm-hmm. And I said, let's create our own museum. And not just Star Trek, but everything. Star Wars, Firefly, nice. Space Nine. It's the next um, rational Doctor solution. <laughs> exactly. Babylon 5, you name it. Everything. This island, Earth, you know, everything. Right, so, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Uh, that's how that began. And then last year I started getting offered props that were gory and could be construed as sci-fi, but were still extremely scary, like Alien and Predator oh, wow. and... And The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, nice. As well as things from True Blood and other stuff. And I said, you know, there's no stretch of the imagination that we could say that this is sci-fi. So now that we're finally going into tour our horror sci-fi museum for this coming year, I said, let's let's try to develop a horror museum. You know, and I'm not going to spend any of the money. Mm-hmm. up front from our sci-fi museum. Let mm-hmm. me see if I can do this for no money and see what see what I can do. So I called up uh, Joe Dante and I called up, gosh, Clive Barker and Tom Holland and Sarah Karloff and Victoria Price, Vincent Price's daughter, wow. and all these people, and asked them if they would be a part of this. And within one month, I got our entire board of directors. That's and we wow. just did a Kickstarter. We raised a bit over. I only asked for about twenty-one thousand. I think we raised twenty-two, twenty-three thousand. Oh so wow! We're on our way. We've we've got the money we need to get to get to the next step, mm-hmm. and that's all I care about. It's funny, you know. I grew up watching, you know, a lot of sci-fi movies, and and I'm a big horror movie fan. And growing up, you know, I wasn't the most popular kid in school, and my tastes were considered, you know, kind of like the nerdy, geeky thing. Fast forward these many years later, right? I'm still quite the geek and the nerd, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it seems that, that you know, sci-fi and horror, uh, the, the genres have become more accepted to the point where they're almost mainstream. Why do you think that is? What, why do you think there was that shift to where we are now? Here you are about to open not just a, a small exhibit, but museums dedicated to these genres. I think it has to do... Well, first, you go back however many years that sci-fi has been popular, but it's never been mainstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most mainstream sci-fi has ever been is Star Wars. And even that, right. you'd still have the the hot, cute girls say, oh, yeah, I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> that sort of mentality. And <laughs> because, you know, that's not... okay. 
boy, that's boys mm-hmm. stuff, but that's, you know, and I, I don't agree with that because the girls I knew loved Star Wars, Star Trek, you know, all these things. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and cool horror things. Mm-hmm. But again, I knew, I knew weird girls. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I didn't, I didn't know the girls who were all into the makeup and the trying to, you know, the mainstream stuff. I knew the ones who had other interests, but then came these Marvel films. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Marvel films started being made right and intelligently, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting with the X-Men, I think that was the first, yeah, that came before Spider-Man, because then Spider-Man came along. Yeah, and, I believe you're correct, yeah. Uh, and, you know, there were Batman and there were Superman DC, but there was never the explosion that Marvel has become, and then Disney bought it and all this stuff. Right. So, you know, when that happened, because like it or not, most Marvel films are sci-fi. They're not comic book films. They're sci-fi. And, right. Uh, you know, once that happened, the studios realized that, okay, this is making us money. Let's make more of them. Mm-hmm. And it became more accepted. And then Comic-Con in San Diego became huge. Mm-hmm. Right. And now you can't – you're lucky to even get tickets to that now. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, and so – it became this mainstream popularity, and then Disney bought Star Wars and did what fans have been wanting Lucas to do for 25 years, 30 years, which mm-hmm. is make more of them and make them the way they wanted. Right. And so, yeah, everything's happening. This is the age of the nerd. It really is, I think. Yeah. Uh, and totally. what we're doing <laughs> couldn't have been done. Even five years ago, it couldn't have been done. No, it's very true. It's very true. You just mentioned that you started getting your hands on on a, a lot of props for the horror museum. What are some of the the props that you've come by, and, and and what's the story behind them? How how did you acquire them? Because obviously, a lot of us are big horror movie fans, and we would love to have, say, like one of Freddy Krueger's gloves or one of Jason's masks or something like that. You know, um, what are some of the props that that have you know come your way, and are there some interesting stories how you, you got a hold of them? You know, the horror museum is so new. There, we're starting with the ones that have been offered by collectors, uh-huh. and to my knowledge. There aren't many studio-owned props mm. still of, of horror films. Even Universal doesn't have much because I've been in touch with Uni, and they they gave us the bubble ship from Oblivion. Oh wow! For, you know our sci-fi museum mm-hmm. and from the Tom Cruise film. So I mean, they I know them well, and I know to a degree I know what they have uh, in their archives. But you go back to uh, American Werewolf in London. Yeah, there's almost nothing. Hmm. And you go even further back to the Universal Horror classic monsters like, uh, you know, Lon Chaney stuff and Boris Karloff. And there's nothing of that. That's oh, wow. All all that was remaining was the Phantom of the Opera stage, which had been in stage 20, whatever, 23, I think, for or stage 18, in for years, for 100 years almost, oh, wow. for 80 years. And they just recently dismantled it, and it's in storage right now. And we're trying to get that. I don't know if we're going to get it, but hmm. um, that would be a huge coup to get because that—that's the oldest movie set in the world, wow, anywhere. Uh, and that was from 1925. Wow. So uh, there are a lot of props that are being loaned to us from our board of directors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Dante has Gremlins, and nice. you know, I mean. Um, I've talked to Don, Don Coscarelli about uh, his phantasm ball, and uh, there there are things like that that a lot of 
horror directors and writers have and producers have. Mm-hmm. Mick Garris, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got, when I went to his house, he had the, uh, the mother, he had Norman Bates' mother from Fent, from Psycho wow. 4. And it's, it, she was sitting in his office, you know, it's got <laughs> yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. Uh, and Tom Holland has some stuff from Fright Night. And uh, he doesn't have Chucky anymore. So, oh, what? Oh, no. Oh, I lost a lot of sleep. Dog ate. <laughs> lost a lot of <laughs> sleep dog with ate him. Chucky. No way. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That is yeah. quite unfortunate. Of all things, right? Yeah. Well, that, that, that's that's yeah. quite the unfortunate demise for Chucky. <laughs> that's ironic. I'm tell you too. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. After all that. <laughs> yeah, after all that demise at a dog, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to tell you about our board of directors. Mm-hmm. We have the kindest sweetest, most wonderful, intelligent group of people involved. And that goes around the board for everyone that, that I'm dealing with for sci-fi and horror. Mm-hmm. I have a, a no jerks allowed policy. Nice. And <laughs> what that means is not that, you know, we're all human, yeah. but uh, there's a type of personality that is very me, me, me and self-serving and power hungry and all that stuff. None of us have that. We all are just, it's for the good of the thing and not us. Right. It's for the good of the company and the foundation, not our own self-worth or glorification. And that is a wonderful quality to be able to find. And every single one of our board members for both foundations have that. And thank God. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Uh, But as far as props, I'm still looking. You know, we're we're getting some from borrowed from American Horror Story. Oh, God. Nice. And from last season. And uh, what else? There's a Jason mask I know about that I'm trying to get on loan because uh, these things are worth thousands of dollars. We can't allow. They're, they're not going to just give them to us, but they'll loan them to us. Okay. And yeah, protect yeah. them and insure them and uh, you know uh, put them on display for you know thousands and thousands of people to see. And that's. Yeah. That's the best we can do right now. Obviously, you know, this year we've lost some iconic figures of the sci-fi and horror genre. You know, we, we lost Wes Craven, Roddy Roddy Piper from one of my all-time favorite movies, They Live, uh, and Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. What do you hope to achieve with this museum? What is the, the main goal of the, uh, of the horror museum and the sci-fi museum? It's not only to protect, but also to display and inspire mm-hmm. to people because... The, the, the sci-fi and the horror museum aren't just different genres. They're completely different types of museums. The sci-fi museum is built around, yes, showbiz, yes, movies and TV, and mm-hmm. the, the filmmaking aspect, the, the writing, the directing, the makeup, the special effects, the prosthetics, whatever, but it's also real science through sci-fi, mm-hmm. uh, teaching NASA space uh, astronomical, uh, not astro- aeronautical uh updates and what uh, the the upcoming shuttles, the trip to Mars, all this stuff, all right. the plans of NASA and Lockheed Martin and Boeing and all this. So that's what that is. That, that's in its own type of genre. Mm-hmm. The horror thing, we can't really do that with a horror thing, mm. but we don't really have to because it, it is what it is and we can concentrate more on the prosthetics and the makeup because most people don't realize that the advancements that we made in horror, in makeup in general, are because of horror films. Mm, Max Factor right, in right. the 1920s and 30s, and what uh, uh, 
Jack Pierce was doing with the early Universal Horror things, and Rick Baker with his Oscar-winning work, and my God, you see, uh, I mean, the, the horror people will tell you something different, but you see what Rick Baker did with American Werewolf in London and what Tom Savini did in uh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, your mind is blown. It's still right. disgusting, and it's still yeah. oh wow. Okay, now the the more savvy and sharp, of course, know now that 30 years ago that's how they did this and whatever. Mm-hmm. But you you meet these little kids, a little kid who's just petrified of a horror film doesn't realize that it's just usually just either CG, mm-hmm. which is a computer effect, or right. it's a puppet. Or it's just rubber on somebody's face. Mm-hmm. And if they saw that, I don't think they'd be as scared. God knows I wasn't growing up mm-hmm. because I um, I was around that kind of stuff. And so you, it, I think it helps on a lot of different levels, not just on a filmmaking level, an inspirational level, but on a psychological level. Right. Because if you face what scares you, it won't scare you anymore. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you don't have the same joy from watching horror movies. It's just... Uh, it's a different appreciation right. experience, and The Exorcist is still going to scare the crap out of you, regardless. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about Shining, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, this sort of, a great horror movie is a great horror movie. Knowing about how it's done isn't going to make it less scary or right. more fun. So It'll probably yeah, make it more interesting, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. And there's nothing like that. There is no museum in the world that does that. It certainly doesn't do it yeah. as a curriculum. So yeah. That's what we want to do. And I believe, you know, one of your main objectives is to educate people, you know, educate, especially, you know, younger people via the means of their hobbies, essentially, you know, what they're interested in. So you're, you're educating people about science via science fiction, which, you know, I think is great. And movies via horror movies. Exactly. Exactly. And the way that we get in there is as far as the curriculum and the STEM-based or STEAM-based education and bringing busloads of kids to the museum, mm-hmm. especially for the horror, is by showing, okay, this isn't about just, yeah, it's going to be fun and cool and all the kids, or at least 90-whatever percent of the kids are going to want to go to it. Yeah. But more importantly, we're learning about the history of makeup and movie making mm-hmm. in Hollywood. And it being in Hollywood is such an important thing for that because that is our history and our legacy mm-hmm. and they're just they're in in our own city there isn't anything like that which is i think despicable no you know it's funny because i was thinking about that you know preparing for tonight's show and i remembered how much i enjoyed an exhibit that, that happened i think maybe like a year two years ago over here at the uh, la county museum of art and it was a a, a stanley kubrick exhibit uh, where they have props from some of his films and and a lot of cool stuff. And I remember thinking like, wow, this is really cool. As I said, as I was prepping for the show, I started thinking about that. It's like, you know what? Yeah, we really don't have a place where we can go and just kind of geek out on all the cool stuff from uh, some of our favorite movies. So it's really cool that you're doing this. Now, speaking of Kubrick, you mentioned The Shining a minute ago. And I know you. there's a, a fun little fact about you that I wanted to see if you could share with us about uh, you and, and The Shining. There was a uh, somewhat of a connection there. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, well, my father had worked with Scatman Carruthers, who was Scat Cat in the Aristocats, because uh, my father wrote a song called Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. Oh, that's cool. So I, 
I I grew up around Scatman, and he was one of the sweetest people who walked. You know, he mm-hmm. was, and he was so funny and talented, and just a cute, wonderful musician and guy. And so he was doing this movie, The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, mm-hmm. and I was five years old, and uh, somehow I got called in to audition for The Shining. Wow! And the original script was laden with profanity for the kid. Oh, really? And I oh, come wow. from a Christian background. Mm-hmm. So if you look in the book, it's the same way. I mean, there were passages directly from the book that had the kid using the Lord's name in vain and saying SOB and a little, you know, things like that that a typical five-year-old, I guess, in, <laughs> uh, wouldn't normally say. So right. Not, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I couldn't say those words, and I didn't know those words because my parents didn't use profanity around me. And mm-hmm. I did a lousy audition, but I, I later met Jack Nicholson, and he was as sweet nice. as he could be. And... I got to see the behind the scenes, and that's what I was talking about. I, wow. Between that and going to Universal, and they used to do a makeup effects show at Universal where they would mm-hmm. put on yeah. prosthetics on, on anybody, and they'd show you how it works in the old Don Post masks and the Bin Nye makeup kit and all that stuff. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. And it taught any age that... This is how it works, and the movie magic is as wonderful as the movie you're seeing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the f- blood is fake blood. It's corn syrup, and you could actually taste it. It's sweet. And, you know, it's it's like Harold and Maude. You know, <laughs> all these, you could pull out all these uh, different ways of, of death to freak people out. Uh-huh. But uh, those in the know would know, okay, that's fake, and okay, that's a fake prosthetic on the throat. His throat isn't really slit. You know, this Right, thing. right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I didn't get the part, but I, I, I'm i glad I didn't. I was a horrible kid actor. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm sure um, you're being modest. I was a good kid. Uh, no, I, I, was, I was terrible uh, because I, I would intellectualize too much. Uh. Good kid actors don't intellectualize. They just feel it, and I mm. couldn't do that. I was a good singer. I was a good kid singer. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm glad I didn't do it, but thank God I got to be exposed to that, or I'd probably be a, a screwed-up adult because <laughs> I, I'd be watching these things and I'd be petrified of my own shadow. Right. Um, and that's what I want. That's one thing I want the horror museum to do. I want it to really people to face their fears. I just want to tell one quick little story. Yeah. There's a guy I met in Houston, Texas, who I went to. Frightmare, Texas Frightmare in Dallas. Uh-huh. And there was a man telling the story about how he was afraid of everything. He was afraid to leave his room. He was, mm-hmm. I forget what that uh, that's called, but he started watching horror movies and he started to see the behind the scenes of them. Mm-hmm. And he realized that he could face his own fears through wow. movies. Wow. And if he could, if he could face that, he could face anything. And mm-hmm. then he was baby steps. He started to go outside, and he started not mm-hmm. to be afraid of this. And oh, wow. now he's skydiving. Now, wow. Wow. you know, he all these other things that I would never do. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> um, he got over his phobias by conquering them one at a time. Mm-hmm. So, people who say that horror can't be inspirational and can't help people, they don't know. Wow. And yeah. I didn't. I didn't know till I met some of these people. But now I know. Yeah. Um, People learned to be wanted to be psychologists and wanted to be to go into uh, police research from watching Seven mm-hmm. and yeah. Psycho yeah. 
and uh, saw and these sort of things. So, yeah, there's a lot there that uh, people will get out of it what they bring to it. Yeah. So you put it out there for them and voila. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's very true. I, I grew up being tormented by my older brother who would uh, force me to watch, <laughs> you know, the, the Friday the 13th movies and the, the Nightmare on Elm Street. So it's funny because, yeah, for a while I was really, really scared at night. But, you know, the more I watched him and, you know, he would take the time to explain how roughly they did some of the tricks, the fear does go away. And it's almost like you begin to enjoy the movie. Yeah, yeah, you begin to enjoy the scares. And it, it's a very valid point, what, what you just said. On the note of Seven, I'm interested um, to know whether you've been keeping up with the new American horror story. Um, I have not. I saw the first season. I've, I've, I'm so busy mm-hmm. with these things. I really don't have time to watch much of anything. I still watch Walking Dead. And mm-hmm. in fact, one of our board members is Jennifer Lynch. And tonight's episode, oh, cool. wow. she directed. And oh, wow. I didn't see it. I've, I've got it uh, taped. But uh, uh, they don't call it taped anymore. They call it taped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, hey, come, come on, Grandpa. We can tape it. <laughs> Uh, but uh, no, I I haven't only just because uh, I um, you know I I not had the time, but I I want to. I know mm-hmm. that some seasons are better than others. I heard I heard last se- my friends told me last season was brilliant, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my great friends, Michael Goy, is the the director of photography on there. Nice. And he's brilliant. He's so brilliant. And he's directed some, too. Yeah, no, I... I can't I, imagine I, looking bad. <laughs> I, I must say that that's one thing about American Horror Story, that I, I love the look and the feel. They they do a great job at creating that, that ambiance yeah, that, that submerges. It's like definitely a piece of art. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I mean, you can hit pause at any point in any like of painting, those episodes. Yeah. yeah, and it's like a, a perfect yeah portrait. This might be, you know, a, a bit of a tricky question. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but... Do you have oh, no. a, <laughs> do you have a, a a favorite horror movie or tell you what we'll make it easy a top three horror movies? <laughs> yeah, I'll give you the top three because one is hard. Yeah, um, I would say uh, I'll may I go for five? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> okay, well, Exorcist obviously nice is just genius because it hits all the levels of. You're actually caring about the people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, there's splatter movies and there's trashy, scary ones that I adore, but the, the acting is so brilliant in that movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By all the above. And the directing is so brilliant and dialogue and everything and the effects. Uh, Dick, Dick Smith was one of the innovators Mm -hmm. of, a special, a special effects makeup, and one of our sci-fi museum people, uh, Doug Drexler, worked under him and showed me photos. And he, uh, you know, so I mean, the visuals on that is genius. I love um, The Shining, uh, not just because I blew it in the <laughs> acting audition, right? But it's it's so wonderful, and it's Kubrick, yeah, um, who could rarely do wrong, yeah, and. There was uh, Poltergeist is, of course, genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because it also, it has the heart and the, the characters that you yeah. actually care about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're actually, it starts out almost like a comedy. And because they're playing with the ghosts and they're taunting it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cute. Oh, look, it's all it's so exciting. It's, oh, my God, I just stole my daughter. <laughs> right. <You know>? It's, <laughs> it's like killing all the members of my family now. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So there's that, and there's also, going back further, there's Legend of Hell House, which most people may not know about, but it's... Yeah, you got me on that one. Probably, it's from 1973, I think, mm -hmm. and John John Huff directed it, uh -huh. who also directed uh, Twins of Evil, the Hammer film, and he also directed Escape to Witch Mountain, oh, okay. which the first half of that is a horror film and, until they Disneyized it, but the first mm -hmm. half of it's much more like the the original book, and it's okay. a scary movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but Legend of Hell House is the most, probably the most accurate paranormal film you'll ever see. Oh wow! Oh wow! I'm making a note of that, it's, by the way, yeah. because I haven't <laughs> seen it, and honestly, I wanna I wanna check this one out. Yeah, Legend of Hell House. Well, Roddy McDowell is in it, and so is um, uh, uh, Pamela Franklin, I think mm -hmm. is her name, who is also in the next movie I'm going to name. Okay. <laughs> uh, the The Innocence, which is based on a Turn of the Screw. It's mm -hmm. uh, it was written by Truman Capote, uh -huh. and it's it's so scary and so beautiful. Uh, I highly recommend it. Those those two last ones are probably the you know more obscure of uh, uh, my just saying. Oh, Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth. Right, right. And I no, those are the best recommendations. <laughs> well, I mean, hey. Bava movies, uh, Mario Bava films are terrifying. Mm -hmm. Certainly, uh, Dario Argento movies, Suspiria. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, there, there are real, you know, really beautiful, beautifully artistic gems out there that are also terrifying films. Mm -hmm. uh, and I want to, I want that to be in the museum. I want people to learn that. I was just... fans of of horror films are like. Teenage girls, which blew my mind. <laughs> it's and true. I was in the I was in the DC museum, not the DC. Uh, I was in the um, uh, the other uh, Seattle, Washington, not Washington DC. Okay. Uh, the the EMP museum has a wonderful horror display in okay. Seattle, and they also have a great sci-fi display. Nice. And oh, wow. I was shocked that everyone around me almost. You know, like 90% of the people around me were teenage girls in that exhibit. Not wow. boys, oh, wow. girls. Wow. And they were giggling and they were running around and, oh my God, look at oh. this. Oh, and they, <laughs> wow. And I was like, boy, you know, all the boys around here are complete wimps. <laughs> That's got to be a bizarre experience, seeing <laughs> all these sounds, girls running around yeah. giggling. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And I just, I was shocked by the demographic. And if they learned the behind-the-scenes of the thing, mm -hmm. and saw and were exposed to these amazing Italian films uh -huh. that are Japanese films or French films or mm -hmm. German films, that, yeah. or even just going back to American horror from the 30s and 40s and 50s yeah. and 60s right. and 70s, the British films, The Wicker Man, and these, mm -hmm. uh, you know... Um, I think it would give them a completely different perspective, and yeah. I'll get off my soapbox. No, it's it's quite all right. Now, I was going to say that that you have a really good top five list, and like I said, the last two I definitely want to check out, and uh, and the first three actually made my own list, but the the <laughs> yeah, sure, you just said. That I know, now. I'm trying, I'm just trying to get points. Here. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, and I don't want to know Genevieve's list too. I, want to I know, know yeah. List too. I'm all for decision making. Okay, you got a, you got a few minutes while I I'll I, be I, here for hours. I, I talked to Houston about this. Because you know the the other two films, if you could tell us your thoughts on them, one that that really scared me was uh, Rosemary's Baby. 
that was one and the other one that terrified me as a kid and even to this day if i watch it like i still get a little bit spooked is the original nosferatu what can you tell me about those two films in particular are those some of your maybe not top five but what do you think of them as a horror movie oh they're both classics mm -hmm. they are both absolute genius classics that not only scared people and inspired people and got ripped off by keep on going down the line people may not people may be making horror films now that mm -hmm. saw something that ripped them off and they right. don't realize the original mm -hmm. source of oh wow that you know mm -hmm. um well certainly nosferatu going back to german horror which yeah. is i mean that cabinet dr caligari and and uh But that whole period of 1920s pre-Nazi mm -hmm. uh, German cinema was, it inspired and keeps inspiring the most artistic from yeah. its uh, uh, German expressionist uh, period. And Fritz Lang with Metropolis, with sci-fi, uh, that all came out of that period. And you look at that and your mind's blown of how and uh my gosh uh francis ford coppola just you know he he ripped it off yeah. shamelessly for his dracula uh in the 90s yeah uh max max Schreib or something yeah it, it was something like that, that. <laughs> yeah genevieve and is part german so she she can help us with all these max Schreck. That there we go and tim burton uh homaged him in Batman Returns. When he did all the German expressionist look to it, he named one of the characters uh, Max Schreck, which was uh, played by. Uh, I'm interested oh, to know gosh, if that was ever his stage Christopher name. Walken. Oh yeah. But I'm interested what was that? to know if um, Max Schreck, um, if that was ever his stage name, because it, it you know, it means fright in German. Hmm. I, I genuinely it don't was, know. Yeah. No, it that's was. interesting. No, I looked him up because I was curious. Uh huh. Uh, uh, a couple of years ago, I looked him up, and he made quite a few movies, and there and did a lot of plays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, who knows if that was his real name? No, but uh, yeah. Yeah. he went down in infamy because of that film. <laughs> right, right. Um, now there was another movie that came out based on, uh, or it, it was. Uh, well, this is my question to you because maybe maybe you have a, an answer. But there was a movie that was roughly. Uh, uh, dramatized and in, 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 in a thriller version of the making of Nosferatu. Uh, and I think John Malkovich was in it or something. Um, and I can't Shadow remember. Shadow of Vampire. There you go. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, was there any, I mean, because that's a pretty disturbing movie in and of itself. And, you know, being a fan of the original, I was all over that movie. But was there <laughs> any anything, you know, factual about it? Because let me tell you, that was a pretty disturbing movie. <laughs> You know, with anything, I mean, uh, there's a friend of mine, Larry Karaszewski, who also did uh, Ed Wood, and oh, nice. You know, he was just my friend. You know, <laughs> you know him? No, I'm just saying <laughs> you've got pretty cool friends. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh well, yeah. Well, no, he's oh, he's not a buddy. We don't go, you know, the house together. But I mean, still pretty I, cool. <laughs> uh, we, yo, know, he's a great guy, and he's yeah. again another really lovely person, another good person. Um, and all these guys are friends. Joe Dante uh -huh. and all these guys are, mm -hmm. are buddies. Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, there's always truth to s certain things. And then you get to the jumping point as a writer and you sometimes, you know, if the story isn't crazy enough, you have mm -hmm. to 
incorporate certain things, and they were telling a certain kind of story for that. So there's a lot of embellishment, and right. uh, it wasn't trying to tell a true story mm-hmm. in in that movie. But and let me tell was, you, I almost believed it because the original is pretty. <laughs> like I said, it still scares me to this day. And uh, watching yeah. that, I was like, yeah, this this could, could possibly happen. <laughs> yeah, um, I I can't remember that much about it. I, mm-hmm. I just remember they're they're going certain places that. It didn't. At least I've never heard it actually going. Who knows? He might have been a real va- drink, blood drinking vampire. You never know. It's yeah, <laughs> you know, we were watching. And uh, I heard he was a nutty guy. So yeah, no, we were watching a a, a clip uh, the other day of uh, the original Nosferatu, and I was telling Genevieve, you know, it's it's so crazy when you look at. You know, when I look at old movies, I don't look at them as just old movies. You know, I I try to get in that mental frame of mind of the audience that watched it when this you know when these movies came out and i just picture myself seeing this movie yeah. for the first time yeah. uh you know nowadays it's, it's such a simple effect right the you know the the vampire rising up from the casket but back then that was just terrifying people had no clue how that was done and to me again that's the charm and and the beauty of some of the older horror films now in your list you you reference poltergeist it, it was in your top five and genevieve i hope you're getting ready i'm, I'm buying you time i'm buying you time I, I can throw a few movies that I okay. like you just don't ask me for my one favorite okay <laughs> but uh in poltergeist obviously you know it's a family that's that's in a, in a in a house and they're experiencing some real serious paranormal activity you mentioned that that you're currently living in a house where there may be some weird stuff going on do you care to tell us about that no yeah. <laughs> Next <you>. question. <laughs> yeah, that, that's called the that, that's called the real jerk, uh, you know, interviewee. That's when it's like, no, I, I don't. Uh, pull a Brando. Like, I don't want to talk about. No, I really talk about the Indians. That's you know, a that's a great impersonation, by the way. Yeah, well, I, I base it off of I base it off of uh, John Belushi's ah. uh, Brando. He used to do a brand of it. It was on the National Lampoon Radio Hour. He's like, I'm So it's an impression of an impression. <laughs> so it's exactly, twice as yeah. good. It's a meta impression. Like, wow. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, uh, you know, Damn It Jim. I'm a doctor, not a. He never said Damn It Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Scotty, you know, Kirk never said Beam Me Up Scotty. True. Yeah. And all yeah. these. But. You know who did say it? Impressionists. We're doing impressions um, of these people, and it took on. Yeah, it catch on. Yeah, I, but um, yeah, I. Uh, what, was, what was the question again? I can't remember the question. Oh yeah, about the house. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you. You know the whole. No. Uh, That's pretty I, good. House, <laughs> someone had passed away in the house previously, mm. and I. Uh, I had this woman and a dog come in one time, and I always am weary when someone just brings their animal over to jump around and scurry about. And right. Because it's, it's kind of not the greatest thing in the world. I wouldn't mm-hmm. do it. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't jump into somebody's house and go scurrying around and urinating on the floor personally. Last time I did I that, do, I got but... kicked out. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it wasn't cool. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I wouldn't or, recommend it. Or my girlfriend coming in there. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that. Um, and she, her dog ran into this one room and started growling and ran out. Mm-hmm. And she goes, "Oh, this house is haunted. That room, you know, oh, he, wow. he senses something. Our dog senses. Great, thanks. I just bought the house. Great to know. Thanks oh, a lot. Wow. Really appreciate it. Get out. <laughs> right. Uh, oh it my. Was, you know, 
Who does? Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Who wants to hear that their house is haunted? I mean, and you you just moved in there. That's not okay. That's cool, but then it's not cool anymore when you know you're alone, right? And at night and in the dark. Uh, right. So my um, I was living alone, and I kept hearing sounds coming from the other room, hmm. oh, banging wow. sounds, knocking sounds, no. all this kind of thing. Oh my goodness! And I go into that room, and it wasn't the water pipes. It wasn't the floor it wasn't so and so and it never happened when i was in that room only when i was not when i was in the back room and i could hear it coming from the other room mm-hmm. and finally i just scream shut up i'm working in here and it typically would stop oh wow so uh yeah that's uh no you know mm-hmm. moved furniture any uh poltergeist activities but yeah there's i'm but now that there are more people living in the house, my mother now lives in one room, and I've got a friend living mm-hmm. in the other. Uh, I don't. That doesn't happen ah, really see. anymore. Uh, I think ghosts are typically uh, noisier when, uh, when the w- number one when they're alone, but number two when there's energy, like in museums, that there's mm-hmm. a lot of energy yeah. going on, and mm-hmm. then that night, they they make noise and do things. Right. That's what I've heard. You know, because obviously, you know, in, in Poltergeist, there is the uh, the stories of some very unfortunate things happen on the set. And, you know, we know that the little girl passed away. And a lot of people said, you know, that the, the, the whole production was more or less cursed or haunted. And they brought somebody to try and do a cleansing and things like Do you believe that that is possible? Or, and have you heard of some something similar happening maybe on the set of another horror movie by any chance? Well, The Omen, of course, and they said it a little bit of The Exorcist, although I think that was kind of BS for The Exorcist. Uh, Good marketing. But if you see the documentaries for The Omen that's on the, the Blu-ray or mm-hmm. DVD, it's there's a lot of stuff like that on there. Mm-hmm. And as far as the curse of Poltergeist, they said the same thing about the Amityville Horror, you know, oh, all right. the classic. But that little girl was ill before the movie mm. took place. Okay. And there were other sick, horrible things, like the girl who played the older daughter was murdered by her boyfriend and terrible, Yikes. horrible things like yeah, that. Yeah, no. If you go looking for trouble and you're reckless about it, things are going to happen. Right. Um, I've heard everyone from people into witchcraft to mm-hmm. Satanists to mm-hmm. ministers mm-hmm. to... Priests, they all say the same thing. If you're looking for trouble, you're going to find trouble. And you'll yeah. find it tenfold, and you're going to have a hell of a time trying to get rid of it. True. Uh, I, I think that's what everybody agrees to. Uh, and, yeah, of course, I absolutely I believe that there are demons about. Mm-hmm. If you go looking for them, you're going to find something. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, even if... Like, you know, with Ouija boards and all that jazz, it's uh, that's the most dangerous item you can have in your house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to I used to play with them, and I have zero psychic ability. I have none. You know, I mean, nothing. Right. Um, but I, uh, you know, you, you do that around people who do have that psychic touch, you're, you're asking for it. Right. And, yeah, it's a scary thing. I certainly believe it, and I believe it could happen, and 
And I know you have a story about that, but I want you to uh, save it for us if you can for after we come back from the break. But sure. let me ask you something, because obviously, you know, we, now we're getting into a bit of a, of a gray area, if you will. Do you think that there is any kind of responsibility on behalf of the filmmakers when it comes to making certain type of movies? You know, obviously, a lot of horror movies use, uh, you know, the Ouija board as, as a centerpiece to what's happening or, or witchcraft and et cetera, et cetera. And obviously, a lot of people watch these movies and and they get excited about it and they want to try it themselves it's almost like there's a fine line there how do you see that or how can one come to terms with that i mean are, are we uh, underestimating our audience's uh, intelligence by thinking oh they're just going to run out and do this recklessly or how do you see uh, a situation like that well i can tell you on a filmmaking level the truly intelligent directors and producers will not allow people to just screw around with stuff like that mm. It starts in the writing. It starts with the uh, the experts that they bring on set who are the advisors for witchcraft or Satanism mm -hmm. or ministers even. And mm -hmm. they will tell them flat out, if you do this and you do it repeatedly for numerous takes mm -hmm. and you do it exactly like this with the actual so-and-so, and -so and yeah. you may stir something up and you better not do that. And it's the truth. Uh, this stuff doesn't just, whether you believe it or not, um, there are others who believe it, and for the sake of them, don't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, you can always alter, you can say it's holy water, and it's not holy water for right. the movie. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go to that extreme unless you are just suicidal, and mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to, you know, if, if you're that hateful and irresponsible mm -hmm. of a human being, much less a director-producer. Right. Uh, I think that's that would be an, actually a really interesting conversation to have with some of these great directors, Toby Hooper and Richard Donner, and uh, some of the people who've actually done films about witchcraft and right. Satanism, mm -hmm. because you just don't screw around with stuff like that. Right. Uh, there's a great movie, a Hammer film called. Uh, Oh shoot! Uh, it's it's with Christopher Lee, and it's a witchcraft movie. Uh, ah, but he, there's a great thing on the commentary about it, and they're talking about the film and the book it was based on. Uh -huh. It uh, and they were very. Was it City of the Dead or? No, no, no. no it that was, was... Um, that was before this. This was color film, and it's a it's a classic, and it's. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't remember, but it was, it's based on the, the guy who wrote a lot of those witchcraft books. Okay. Uh, I can't remember the name. You'd know the name. It's very famous. Is it Alistair Crowley? But, uh, that's the only guy I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, but no, it's, um, maybe it is Crowley. I, I can't remember, but it's a great movie and the effects, you know, it's 65 low budget effects, but the point of the story is, you know, there are, Good witches and bad witches, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. quote uh, uh, Wizard of Oz. Right. And this isn't a kick in the ass to uh, a lot of the the white witches I know personally, and mm -hmm. that oh, be listening. It's but they're evil people, and they're not evil people. And the evil yeah. people are going to delve into that stuff, and they will be vindictive, and they will be all, all that stuff. And if you pull that kind of stuff out, mm -hmm. you're going to get it. And probably tenfold, and it's gonna be so tough to get rid of. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. On this show, we we've had the chance to talk to paranormal investigators and yeah, people on on the uh, you know on the occult side as well as the religious side. And uh, the general consensus to me, it seems that yeah, that these unseen forces are quite real, and one should you know tread carefully when well, when about, doing some of these things. You know, know it, it's about the idea that most people invited in, whether consciously or subconsciously, you you essentially have to invite or allow something no. into your life. Most of the time it doesn't just appear, it's because people go looking for it. No, no, it's true, it's true. And I, I have to quote uh, one of our friends, and, and he's been on the show a couple of times, Ben Hansen, who said, uh, I know the devil exists, so I have no business going looking for him. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe that, that's a, a bit of advice for, yeah, it's for like, you know, some folks out there. You can, you can rephrase that, you know, I know yeah. that evil exists, so yeah. I don't have to go looking for it's it. It's true. Houston, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play about two songs and then we're going to come back. Can you hang on the line with us and, and we can continue that's this absolutely. conversation? Awesome. And I just found out the name of the movie. It's called The Devil Rides Out. Ah, okay. The Devil, Devil Rides Out. Let me add Dennis that to Wheatley. my list. It was Dennis Wheatley who wrote it, the original novel. Lots so. of movies coming up this week for oh, me. Oh yeah, we, we <laughs> got, we're, we're making a great list here thanks to houston because he definitely knows he knows some you know <laughs> he, he knows stuff i have never heard yeah, of yeah, that's yeah. amazing he's, he, he's going deep with some of these movies i he yeah. asked me scratching my head trying to think if i've seen them or not so uh <laughs> houston let me just have you hang on the line for a few minutes like i said we're just gonna play a few Got songs it. and we come back cool i'll dance around for awesome it. Uh, i wish i wish we could see it but we're gonna have our, our friends uh tuning in to uh just enjoy some songs when we come back we're gonna continue this conversation as you can tell is getting is we're, we're going there tonight we're talking mm -hmm. all kinds of scary spooky stuff and when we come back i want to talk to houston a bit about the sci-fi museum because uh -huh. there's a very very important date coming up this week <laughs> I, i'm just going to say that and if you're smart put it in the chat or tweet us at wtr radio let us know if you know what date it's <laughs> happening this week that i'm there's probably loads of dates invited. happening. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's one very important one that goes with one of my all-time favorite sci-fi movies. Speaking of horror movies, one of my all-time favorite directors is David Lynch. And mm -hmm. he's made some amazing movies like Eraserhead, Mulholland Drive, and another personal favorite of mine, Lost Highway. So we're going to play a little Nine Inch Nails off of that soundtrack, The Perfect Drug. This is West of the Rockies on the Independent FM. Genevieve is here. I'm here. And we got Houston Huddleston on the line. So don't go away. We're going to come back and talk more horror sci-fi stuff. Here we go. What's up, guys? This is Jorge Diaz of Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. And you're listening to West of the Rockies with Frank. This portion of the show is sponsored by Haunted Orange County, your premier source for all things haunted in and around OC. From haunted history ghost walks to ghost group hunting expeditions at some of SoCal's most haunted destinations. Make your fall plans early and book an upcoming tour or investigation today. Visit hauntedoc.com. the second hour west of the rockies i'm frank thank you guys for sticking around i know it's late but boy are we having a blast tonight genevieve how are you doing so far doing good um i'm doing really well i mean i 
I feel like I suddenly knew nothing about horror movies. Oh, no way. To Houston. It's, it's like, wow, my knowledge are really we, Are sucks. we having some insecurities you know, coming out right now? Some, yeah. I mean, there's, there's these movies I've never heard about. I'm like, wow. Uh, well, don't feel too bad because believe me, he's gotten me so far in about three or four, at least the ones that oh. I'm jotting down right now. Yeah, yeah, don't, yeah. Don't play it down like okay, that. Okay, okay, it's more like that. But, you know. <laughs> what, what is this shining he keeps mentioning? Sorry, what? Exactly. No. <laughs> Real quick, guys. As always, I'm Engineer Frank on Twitter, West of the Rockies on Facebook. You can also follow the show on Twitter at WOTR Radio and check out the website, of course, WOTRradio.com. A lot of cool stuff there for everyone to check out. Genevieve Uwe on the old Twitter there, and you can mm-hmm. catch her here every Thursday night at 9 p.m. with our very own show, No Added Flavors, Music Jokes, Facts, Stories. And profanity, and, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why it's at 9, you know, when kids are in bed. You'd think so. Yeah, well, at least I hope so, because otherwise we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Tonight we're being joined by Houston Huddleston of the upcoming Hollywood Horror Museum and the Hollywood yes, Sci-Fi the Holly- Museum. Hollywood Science Fiction All in Museum. Hollywood because obviously Hollywood is the mecca of filmmaking. And, uh, of course, we're also the home for, you know, Halloween Horror Nights and all that cool stuff. And we had the pleasure of actually seeing the DeLorean at Kamikaze last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if for the people that are, that are on Ustream, you're seeing a quick picture there. There's Genevieve and myself. Well, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big Back to the Future fan. <laughs> I was waiting for the end of the question there. Oh, that the is, end of the sentence. Of course you did. <laughs> and uh, I'm a big, you know, Back to the Future fan. And of course, this week, right, it's a very important date for all of us Back to the Future fans. But let me go to uh, Houston real quick. Houston, do you know what date I'm referring to here? Well, I I got to tell you, I have my uh, my laceless shoes on right now. Nice. My hoverboard. And nice. I'm, I'm expecting... No way. Uh, Marty! You know, I'm expecting them to just pop Great out of Scots. nowhere. <laughs> oh, dear. And, I'm uh, just going to tune out for now. <laughs> Leave and you guys I want to see Jaws, Jaws 19 or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> no, but yeah, well, for the people that haven't figured it out, right? October 21st, 2015, that's when Marty McFly, the doc, and Jennifer travel into the future and they find flying cars and hoverboards. I don't know about you, Houston, but I'm, I'm taking some issue here. A company's taking some liberties calling their product a hoverboard when it's really a board with two wheels on it, hardly hovering. Are you disappointed, just as many of us are, that we don't have actual hoverboards available in this day and age like we were promised? Because I don't know about you, but Back to the Future, all three movies were a documentary, if you ask me. They were... <laughs> <laughs> they were fact. <laughs> yeah, I, I blame it on Bob Zemeckis because he's the one who, in the documentary back in the 80s, said, yeah, you know, as a joke, he said, yeah, these uh, hoverboards are going to be out, uh, or, you know, we have the prototypes and they'll be out uh, next year. And so he said that as a joke. And mil- I can tell you, millions of little kids who grew up uh, all want to kick his ass because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, we're, we're still not there. And bummer, man. Yeah. I'm, but, of course, I probably fall off just as I do on real uh, boards. So, yeah, from skateboards to uh, surfboards. To, I, I'm just – me and boards do not – someone say, hey, you want to ride a surfboard? Yeah, if you want to see me die, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Drown, fall, and drown, and die. Boom. 
the surfboard or whack me in the head or go through my stomach or something. You know? Oh, wow. I can tell you've watched a few horror movies. Yeah, no. But the thing is, I can, I can relate. I, I, you know, I can barely you know, walk and chew gum at the same time. I have no business being on you know, any kind of device with or without wheels. Um, but let me ask you something else, Houston, because obviously, I'm, and I'm sure you know that one of the most iconic scenes from the Back to the Future movies was uh, when they do the first test run in a, in a mall parking lot, the Twin Pines Mall. In reality, it was the uh, Puente Hills Mall here in the city of, uh, of La Puente, or Puente Hills, I should say, yeah. not too far from, from downtown LA. And I was reading that apparently they put the Twin Pines sign mm -hmm. back up and they have the truck and the DeLorean out there for people to go. And they're going to be playing like the trilogy uh, in the, I believe it's an AMC in, in that mall. Um, that is so awesome. Isn't I didn't it? know that. Yeah. So maybe, you know, we should make a little field trip out there or something. It, because, I would love to. Yeah. I've just invited myself. So <laughs> for all the people who are in, in the Southern California area and want to want something cool to do, it you got until Wednesday, though. I think I think that's like the end of it, of course, I to go and, and get, get your tickets. And yeah, they have that big white truck where the DeLorean was in and and. Uh, Loring out there. Now, you guys with the Sci-Fi Museum, you guys have a DeLorean, correct? Well, not yet. No, we the one we've borrowed a couple of them. The problem with these cars, they're huge. Right. And any cars that we get, we have to store because there's no place we have no museum yet. Mm, so we have okay. to, and we have to pay storage fees mm -hmm. for whatever we get. So, I'm very very cautious with what we get the things that we've gotten that were offered to us that it was one of those gun to your head type things like mm -hmm. if you don't take this by Monday it's going to be destroyed forever oh, of course goodness. we took it yeah oh, and that happens a lot really but, you know uh well yeah it's it's um cheaper for them to destroy something and do the write off mm -hmm. than it is mm -hmm. for them to pay yeah. 10,000 dollars a month to storage. store it yeah, yeah true true uh, and maintain so, as yeah well. that the, i can tell you the ones that uh we have the flintstone car that oh really got. that's cool <laughs> yeah uh and that was possibly a controversial car to get but there's only two of them in the world really oh, universal wow. has one and we yeah. have the other and the people who would say oh that and herbie and uh the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and mm -hmm. the Monsters Car, whatever, that's fantasy. That's, well, you tell that to the thousands of people who want to sit in it. You know? Right, yeah. So it'll pay for itself, having, you know, that kind of uh, thing. But so, yeah, we, I may be getting uh, the Ghostbusters car. Oh, no way. That's Sorry, so cool. I literally just like died here. <laughs> yeah, we've died. We all knew what he meant. <laughs> It's a 1959 Cadillac ambulance, and those wow. things are like hen's teeth. And uh, one was offered to me, and I may be getting it for the museum because, you know, we, we're gonna our tour starts next year. Wow! And that thing's about t 20 feet long, and that's got to be stored. But still, it's one of the original Ghostbusters cars. So how could I say no to that? Yeah, no, that's great. That's another one of my yeah favorite movies for sure. Now. You know, when you were talking about how it's cheaper for studios to destroy something, you know, one of the things that, that, that really 
you know, hit me right in the childhood, as they say, was when I saw a picture of the spaceship from Flight of the Navigator. I don't know if you remember that movie. And apparently it was yeah. like in some back lot just collecting dust and being exposed to the elements. And I remember seeing this picture and, you know, with almost, you know, tears welling up. Going like, how could anybody just be so cold <laughs> it's you know because That's what the delorean the original screen used back to the future delorean mm -hmm. sat outside in the cats you know pooping in it oh my god living in it uh for years and years and years and years with the windows open no less oh my and god you could drive by it in the tram as you passed by oh look there's a back to the future delorean and it just recently was restored for uh the this year, I think it was earlier this year, it was restored, and oh, nice. it's beautiful now. Well, that's I don't great. Know, it's it just. I went back uh, backstage to Universal not a few months ago, and I mm -hmm. said, "What's that under the tarp? That's Jaws. He's just sitting out there under what? the tarp and sitting what? out there for uh, you know ten, twenty years." Uh, wow. It was, the, it was. It wasn't the screen used. It wasn't mm -hmm. Bruce because mm -hmm. that sunk to the bottom of the ocean and rotted. But this was the one that Universal used for their tour for, you know, since mm -hmm. the 70s. Right, right. And it it's sitting outside the, uh, you can pass it. If you're on the studio tour, you'll see it on your right. If you, no, they're not going to point it out and say, yeah, hey, right. there it is. But it's under a tarp and you'll see a fin. No what else is it going to be? Right, right. So, and I'm trying to get that. I'm trying to put that in our horror museum. I'm, I'm on it, man. I'm, I'm not letting any opportunity. And they said, well, yeah. you've got to be passed by Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. Well, pass it by Steven. Right. Let's right. talk to Steven. Of you course. Know, let's see if he says no. You know, does he want it sitting outside rotting or does he yeah, want right? it in the museum? Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I can't believe that all these iconic waste. things are just out there. And and but luckily, luckily we have Houston, exactly. who's took who's taken it upon himself with an amazing group of people, and hopefully gather all these things that I think played a key role in in our growing up and watching movies and being fans of movies. And movies do define people's, you know, childhood and lives a lot of the time. Honestly, yeah, no, it's true. Absolutely. And you know what? I have a clip here about the uh, the Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum that I would like to show. And and again, if you're uh, catching the podcast or listening on iHeartRadio, we'll be linking this to our um, interview once we post it on on the website. But I want people to uh, check this out real quick and see a little bit of the work you guys have been doing uh, putting together this. Uh, um, Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum, so let's give it a listen. I'm Houston Huddleston, founder of New Starship, the nonprofit foundation that rescued a Paramount-built Enterprise-D touring bridge from Star Trek The Next Generation. You may have seen us on CBS, NBC, A&E, Fox, Sci-Fi, and many others. Our nonprofit 501c3 foundation has been supported by people from all over the world, including many celebrities from Star Trek, as well as people who just wanted to sit in our captain's chair. I'm Ronald D. Moore. Our board of directors includes the original writers, producers, and artists behind Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, Firefly, Back to the Future, Tron, Terminator, and Iron Man, just to name a few. And our two newest board members, NASA's Elizabeth LeBlanc and two-time shuttle astronaut Catherine Coleman. In 2012, fans from all over the world helped pay for our bridge restoration, but we still had no place to permanently display it. And since there isn't a museum in the world that uses science fiction as an educational medium, we've decided to create our own. We're calling it the Hollywood Science Fiction Museum. 
It will be an interactive educational nonprofit museum that will not only include Star Trek, but represent science fiction TV shows and films from across the galaxy. Our vision includes Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, Doctor Who, Firefly, Stargate, Metropolis, 2001, Blade Runner, Avengers, Alien, Avatar, E.T., Close Encounters, Planet of the Apes, and so many more. The featured rooms include a hall of interactive robots, a hall of real robots like ASIMO, NASA's Rover, and Robonaut 2, a hall of cars you can actually get inside of, a hall of interactive spaceships, a sci-fi movie studio, and so much more. It will also be one of the only museums in the world that is completely solar-powered. What makes our museum unique is combining sci-fi with groundbreaking new STEM-based programming that will teach and inspire all ages about space, science, biology, geology, mathematics, engineering, medicine, and all aspects of filmmaking, from writing, directing, makeup, stunts, costumes, to computer graphics. And cosplay will be allowed in our museum by visitors and employees. In 2014, our museum Kickstarter raised over $93,000 thanks to thousands of fans, hundreds of news stories, and many sci-fi legends donating and spreading the word. Specifically, George Takei, whose 7 million followers donated over $50,000 in only three days. By 2018, we plan to open up our permanent Hollywood Science Fiction Museum, which we hope will be the mecca of all science fiction. A three-story futuristic building with a gift shop, sci-fi restaurant, and thousand-seat theater that will show films, live plays, and music events. This will bring hundreds of new jobs to Los Angeles, as well as give Hollywood a brand new way to promote their films years in advance through education. But first comes our 2015 Preview Museum. This Preview Museum will prove that a sci-fi museum that teaches real science actually can work. To find out more about our museum, it's like geek heaven. Go to our Facebook and Twitter or join our mailing list at HollywoodSciFi.com. A science fiction museum is something everyone seems to want, particularly in Hollywood. Help us make it so. Oh my god. Houston, can we make it any sooner than 2018, please? <laughs> well, you know, uh, the tour that we're doing will uh -huh. be what will pay for that a great deal of that museum. Oh, really? Because, yeah, we're going to be traveling around the world. Uh, we've already got offers from Japan. Oh, and wow. From cool. What is it? Japan, China, Korea. Uh, not Korea. Uh, um, I can't remember the other. Um, I just, it's, uh, yeah, interestingly enough and mm -hmm. sadly enough, most of the offers that we've been getting for the tour are not in America, which is really, really sad and uh, criminal to me. Mm -hmm. um, that there would be venues in other countries who would give more of a crap about sci-fi right. than America would. Wow. That's no, it's despicable true. to me. Wow. But I'll tell you, when, when we have the money mm -hmm. to do what we want, we're sure as hell going to do what we want, and we're going to make all those things happen exactly the way we want it to happen with the hotel and the restaurant mm -hmm. and the uh, gift shop and make it a, a downtown Disney type of thing in yeah. North Hollywood mm -hmm. where it's... Because City Walk is just one subway stop away, so oh, wow. you put it all you put it all there. You've got mm -hmm. your own uh, venue right there. You, it's very safe family yeah. environment mm -hmm. that you don't have uh, you know vagrants uh, trying to uh, take your kids you know <laughs> to another country, mm -hmm. uh, right? Or you know it's Hollywood is a scary place. I mean, let's just yeah. be honest. If mm -hmm. you're on it's it's where all the tourists go, but it's there are a lot of weirdos and yeah. creepy people out there. 
I don't want that for this. I want this to be a safe family environment. Yeah. I guess that means I won't yeah. be able to get in, but okay, I was that's say, fine. Frank. All right, let's I'm just sorry, uh, <clears throat> moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but that I yeah, mean, I was down there just last night. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and there's yeah, and they let me in, so hey, <laughs> there is hope for me then. Um, yeah. Honestly, I mean, this is this is really uh, fascinating stuff. Let me ask you about. I feel that that science fiction plays a very important role in our lives. Uh, I know it, it might sound like a bit of a stretch, so I, I will elaborate a bit. For example, obviously, who can forget Jules Byrne, right? And even more recently, with the announcement of water on Mars, and now you know all the eyes of the world collectively are on the red planet we look back at movies like the original total recall and and stuff it's funny and scary how a lot of things that at one point were science fiction i, I saw a comment in the chat that ipads and tablets are very sci-fi now you know the the, the technology that, that we have now it's, it's it's things that we probably could have never dreamed of but you are able to see some of it in some of the older movies you know even back to the future there were things that back to the future got right like skype and things of that nature so what's your take on, on sci-fi do you see science fiction as something that more people should be open to and exposed to? Well, in certain ways, uh, certainly it's... Uh, the whole the whole reason this whole thing began wasn't just to say, hey, we can make films, and oh, isn't this cool, and oh, here's Robbie the Robot. Uh-huh. It was tied in with, directly with, NASA's programming and Lockheed Martin's programming to make sure that the advancements of this little tiny planet mm -hmm. would be exposed to people and they would see how valuable it is that if we don't do something about this planet, it's going to go bye-bye and right. none of us will be able to breathe and the global warming is just going to get worse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all this stuff, uh, they need to have something that is not just somebody preaching at them, but showing them options, showing them, okay, this can change. Right. If, if this is, if this is where your talent lies, uh, to become a scientist or to become an astronaut or to, uh, or the medical profession or whatever it is, these things can be done. We have to do this to get to here and we need that to get to here and this mm -hmm. needs to be solved before we can do that. But it can be done. We can go to warp speed. We can, whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and on an energy level, I think I mentioned it in the video, we want our museum to be 100% solar powered. Mm -hmm. We don't, yeah. all these other museums, I, I know of one other museum in the world that's not, that, that is solar powered mm -hmm. and it was made to be that because that's, that was its pitch. I think it's owned by Toyota mm, and okay. in Japan. Uh, but all of these other museums are all plug in. And it would cost way too much for them to start from scratch to, mm -hmm. to do that. And they can't justify it in their budget and all this stuff. Well, I want us, to, our, our very entity, to be teaching by showing this can be done and this, mm -hmm. this can be mm -hmm. done this way. And cars, cars don't have to work by fuel. Yeah. And you, Tesla and hybrids. I, have a, right. I, mm -hmm. I just got a hybrid car. I can't afford a Tesla, but I could afford a... Uh, yeah. a uh, uh, what, what's the Toyota? Uh, the uh, Prius? Prius. I just got a Prius. That's nice. Right. I got a, a used Prius. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's about two years old, and it's already saving 
tons of money in gas. Wow. And I, uh, you know, I, I want, I don't want us to be hypocrites here. Yeah. I want the mm-hmm. museum to be fun and cool and all that stuff, but I want us to practice what we preach. Mm-hmm. And that can happen. It may cost a little money more up front, but mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. You know, you're, no, I what, think are you, what are you saving by doing that? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. No, no it's you, very true. You know, I was, um, you know, I partially grew up in England, and I I was amazed. I would have never when, <laughs> right? I, that, by the way, <laughs> but um, yeah. you know, when I came over to Southern California, of all places, I was absolutely shocked by the fact that everyone was not using solar panels on their housing and their buildings because. We were using, you know, we had solar panels on our houses, and that's in mm-hmm. England. We don't have sun yeah. in England. So if people over there can use solar power, right. people in SoCal yeah. can can do that 10 times over. Yeah, that's true. Right. Um, shout out to Professor Madness in the chat. He's saying, Frank, I can say right now, get this guest back ASAP. Two hours is not going to be enough. I, I would agree. Uh, we're having a lot of fun with Houston Huddleston tonight of the uh, Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum and the uh, Hollywood Horror Museum. And we're talking all things sci-fi and all things horror. And you know what, uh, Houston, let's shift gears and let's go back into the horror genre because uh, I know Genevieve, Genevieve, you've had plenty of time. Okay, so now we got to hear. <laughs> Your picks for horror movies. What? All right. Well, well, you know, you know, I don't do favorites, but one thing I can say is, is I, I love my French horror. Okay. And I, I don't know why, but I have a special place in my heart for mm-hmm. a movie called Martyrs. Martyrs. I, I believe it was by Paul Logier, mm-hmm. and. It's incredible, you know, in terms of the storyline. It almost has two storylines. It has a first part mm-hmm. and it has a second part. And it's gruesome. It's disgusting. Right. But it has a storyline. But mm-hmm. just check it out, Martyrs. It's different. It's so different. And it has this weird philosophical undertone, you know, in the way that French movies just right. randomly yeah, yeah, yeah. throw stuff in there. And I guess, you know, in that vein as well, that um, I love um, this movie called Frontier, Frontiers. Mm-hmm. And again, French horror movie. Um, it starts off almost American, you know, these people going on a bit of a road trip right. and end up at this weird horror hotel type of place. Yeah. But the French go hardcore on that stuff. Dude, I'm, really I'm, hardcore. You're going to have to give me the, uh, the spelling afterwards because uh, obviously my, my French oh, is not... Oh, no. Th- these two movies are just... And one more movie, again, mm. and I'm not even sure if it's if it can be classed as a full horror movie, uh-huh. even partially a horror movie, but it was a book originally, The uh-huh. Cement Garden. I mm. don't know if you've heard of that, but one of my favorite actresses is um, Charlotte Gainsbourg. Charlotte Gainsbourg, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, one of my favorite films, too. Oh, yeah. no, she she's amazing. I mean, even in movies like um, Antichrist, you know, it, it was a weird movie, but aesthetically and in terms of acting, you, you can yeah. you know when, when the people in it are good, even if you mm-hmm. don't like the storyline, you know, or even if it's weird. But yeah, no, it's the cement you know, garden. It, it's that weird type of horror. <laughs> Jane Birkin... Uh, was the writer director of that, and that's her stepbrother. Oh wow! Uh, I had no idea. Uh, or, no uncle. Sorry, it's her uncle. That's who it is. Because okay. he, his sister is Jane Birkin, and Jane Birkin was her stepmother. 
Okay. That's because Serge Gainsbourg was her father, so that was the tie-in there. Oh, wow. But, uh, I had no I idea. I love her. Oh, my god. Oh, she's amazing, right? Fearless. Oh, wow. Fearless and actress. What was that, the, the Lemming movie that she did? Such a bizarre what? movie. It, it was called Lemming. I, I, it, okay, I watched it in German, but um, in Germany it was called Lemming, I believe. It was strange. She does the weirdest movies but she carries them off. I don't know how she does it. Well, anyone who would have the guts to be in a, a Lars von Trier movie yeah, is yeah. A1 in my book. Exactly. That, uh, he just, boom, out you know, here, here's out the line. There. Okay, we start over that line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dogville and, and you know, idiots, all that stuff. And idiots, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, and what... No, don't mention you know about uh, the nymphomaniac. That oh just came wow, and they, they had volume in. two as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh god, uh, yeah. Just fearless <laughs> actress. Yes. And I was talking about her just literally today. Oh wow. And I was talking about Cement Garden, and I was also talking about a wonderful movie she did. Uh, sorry to go off on a tangent. No, here, no, but no. You, please. You named one of <laughs> my all-time heroes of of acting. Uh, she did a movie called. Uh, uh, the, the Science of Sleep by Michel Gondry. <gasps> Wait, and it's, I can't remember the storyline, uh, but I think I've seen a bit of it. <laughs> it's a very personal movie. It's If you want to know anything about Michel Gondry and his life, watch that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's brilliant, and she's wonderful in it. And it's hard not to fall in love with her from any movie she makes. Cause she's, yeah, yeah. Uh, she has this, this purity about her. Yeah. And, Oh gosh, wonderful actress! And, she she'll yeah, those, take any really role. Sick films. Yeah, yeah, right. She will, <laughs> and she'll make it good. <laughs> it, it's it's astounding to me. Uh, specifically, French actors seem to be fearless, yeah, much more fearless yeah. than American actors. Definitely. American actors are typically little spoiled brats that mm-hmm. come out of the 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 Hollywood TV. Oh, we're going to play safe environment. And then you've got these French actors, and a lot of British actors are the same way. Yeah. Uh, best example of the world, there's a movie called Blue that was with, uh, oh, golly. Uh, 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 Juliette Binoche? No, 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 no not no, that no. blue. Not, not the it's Chris. German, Lo- it's a German actress. Not the Christoph Kieslowski. Yeah, Julia Binoche. And yeah. it was uh, Christoph Kieslowski was yeah. the director. There you go. And there was a scene okay. where he he asked her to walk across. Uh, it's early in the movie. Her her family just dies, and she's uh-huh. walking across this uh, fence. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And she does the thing with the fist, right? Like uh, against the. Uh, that was her real. That that was no effect. She actually yeah, scraped yeah, her fist uh, yeah, up for yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly the, the scene. And. That's so powerful, and for yeah. the rest of the movie, her hand's bandaged up because her hand was bandaged up. Right. An right. American actress would call. Never do that. And yeah. you'd have yeah. every, you know, every pile of uh, legal doo doo in the world uh-huh. if uh-huh. you pulled something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I hate to sound like a Euro snob, but mm-hmm. having been in the business, you know, my whole life, yeah. I, I can tell you that. Uh, American actors just would not do that. They would not put up with it. Mm-hmm. And I love, you know, again, back to Charlotte Gainsbourg. Yeah. Wow, I would love to meet her. She's oh, a hero my goodness. of mine. I, I think I'd faint. Yeah. You know, and as it reminds me of um, Diana Kruger as well, or Diane Kruger. I don't know how you say it here. But, um, yeah. you know, she does mainstream movies, but you look at her IMDb filmography and she's doing all these French movies and German movies in between that you don't hear about, but 
she'll do them even if they don't pay, you know, half as much as the American movies. And that that's what I respect. And Ju- uh, Jodie Foster did the same thing mm-hmm. uh, when she was well, pretty much all throughout her career. She's made French films uh, that no, no Americans ever heard mm-hmm. of, but uh, they were important to her because they were brilliant directors or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, those. Uh, yeah, that that's a really interesting. And th- that list, those are all really sick, disturbing <laughs> movies. Uh, Awful, but it reminds amazing. me of another French uh, high tension. It was called Hot Tension. Uh, it's a great movie. I highly recommend. It's from two thousand three. Uh, high tension. It's called, and it's one of the most terrifying films you'll ever see. It was French, and the director later came to America and made not as great a movies, but uh, that movie, oh, seek it out. It will scare What's the it, crap uh, out of you. Is there like, uh, the, I can't remember exactly. I mean, I hope he has the same movie, but I think it's, it, it starts, uh, uh, or there's a, a, a two young ladies in the movie and some, it's almost like a hostile type of thing happens. I, I mean, that's I could, it. That's, that's the that's one, it. right? Okay. I've seen that. And yeah, yeah. okay. That, that one was pretty good. But it's not complete gore porn. You know, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they, they uh, tie in the psychological yeah. bits as well, you know? It's almost like That's, a Serbian I, I film. Like, that was a very <laughs> psychological twist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah that's completely nauseating to me. I, I don't want to watch that again, a Serbian movie. Um, yeah. I, it was different. Tension, though, yeah. actually, it actually has a point to it. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a real story to it. It's not just gore porn for the sake of grossness, uh-huh. you know? And I got to tell you this quick, funny little story. Yeah, you yeah. mentioned uh, Frontiers and the other film, uh uh, what was the other one? You uh, said? Martyrs, martyrs, martyrs. Right. Yeah. Uh, there, there's. Uh, I did a play a couple years back, three years back. I think it was. It was called uh, uh, Soulless, and it was about this girl who was murdering people mm. to see mm-hmm. about the, to watch the human soul, see if that she could prove that there was a human soul out of murdering these people. And one of the people who was at the thing was uh, Daniel Waters, who's a writer. Mm-hmm. Of he's one of my favorite writers. He wrote. Heathers. He wrote Batman Returns. He, uh, he just so funny and clever and wonderful guy. And at the end of the thing, he was telling me. He says, "You know, it, it slightly reminds me of a Martyrs." And I said, "Oh God, that was so sick." And he turns <laughs> to me and says, "Oh well, ex- he says, excuse me, Jane Austen." <laughs> <laughs> and that was one of the funniest lines of all time. <laughs> I oh, often dear. bring that up. So yeah, excuse me, Jane Austen. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. You know, I have a question because you know we we're talking about some really twisted films, right? And the people that make them, uh, and and you you mentioned this uh, earlier in the interview. Uh, you know, they're they're some of the nicest people out there, right? Um, you've talked to many of of these you know individuals who who worked on these films. Where does one go to come up with some of these really twisted, crazy, scary scenarios and characters and and things like that? Um, that's what I've always found puzzling. Because again, you know, you you see these these people being interviewed and they're totally down to earth and funny, yet their minds come up with some real crazy stuff. Uh, because they they can dream it and not live it. Mm. To paraphrase Rocky Horror, but. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where they are together enough to realize that it's fantasy and that it's fun to them. And 
it's not all fun. I mean, doing something that's horrific and dramatic, you uh-huh. have a, a darker, deeper purpose for something. The Exorcist, you can't get more dark or deep than that is mm-hmm. to delve into good against evil. I mean, that's right. really what that movie was ultimately about. And it's Peter Blatty has said many times that that was his... Uh, you know, that was his Christianity, that was his Catholic movie. Wow. To try to show that there is evil in the world and there is good in the world. And mm-hmm. if one can conquer the other, it, you may go through hell to get there. Right. But you get there. You can get there if you really want to. Um, Wes Craven, I never met. I tried to get him on our board of directors. I didn't know he was as ill as he was. Oh my. And it broke my heart. Yeah. I found out he passed away. Yeah. But he, everything I know from some of our other board members, McGarris and Joe Dante, he was one of the sweetest people ever. And the same goes for all of, uh, you know, none of them are, are bastards, you know. All, right. all of them are really sweet, lovely, wonderful people. And, you know, they're, they're loving people. Uh, they're, they love their families. And it, it's, it could be a dream. It could be yeah. your research in seeing the horrors of the Crusades, the Children's mm. Crusades, or the uh, the Inquisition of the 1500s, or the witch burnings. It could, right. All this stuff exists, and then you delve into, okay, let's take this as, let's use this as a parable or an analogy of something and right. try to say something. Not just scare the crap out of you, but actually have a moralistic message that you can inspire people. Uh, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm doing it on the most blatant level with this museum, with these museums, but... You can do it in in subtle ways. As yeah. If you can touch someone, if you can reach to somebody who may want to kill themselves, yeah. and they realize that it okay, this crap that I'm going through will subside yeah. in a day or so, and there's there's more to living than there is to dying, and wow, yeah, you can you can bring something to somebody else instead of just your petty me me me. I'm I. You know, I'm going through hell. My life's crap. So and so. Yeah, but if is it worth living if you can bring happiness to somebody else? Yeah, no, that, you know, that there's a lot of heavy, yeah, you know, stuff in in these films. And you know, you may just say, oh, it's just about scaring the crap out of. Well, sometimes they're trashy, crappy horror movies, but other times the ones, the deeper ones, yeah. are really about something. Yeah, exactly. Which is why you know I like these movies. Like I said, with the philosophical undertones, or even if it's not trying to convey a you know a deeply profound message, it's the fact that it's enlightening you about some aspect of you know human understanding or something. You know, you learn something. The ones where you come away and you just don't learn anything and you just freaked out, but like uncomfortably so. Those are the ones that you need a purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, when you make anything any form of art and without that purpose it you it isn't much really is that, i don't yeah, know that, sorry yeah. i kind of rambled there <laughs> um, no i agree with you and it's like i said you know that i believe from the get-go the characters are the thing mm-hmm. if you don't care about those characters and really not just relate oh that's me up there you know any uh, right. can do yeah, that yeah. <laughs> but the ones like the Exorcist and The Shining, you actually care about those characters. Yeah, you need that yeah. character development yeah. as well, which a oh, lot yeah, of movies yeah. don't do nowadays, you know. 
Yeah, well, I mean, mm. you could. I don't know TV shows maybe more. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have the time, you know. Yeah. You have, you mm-hmm. have the time now in, yeah. in these horror shows. Walking Dead, my God, it's a drama. Right. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I mean, and feel free to to correct me if 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 I'm wrong, but it it almost seems to me like a lot of that just has to do with you know a lot of films being tailored to the audiences of today and audiences nowadays you know we're used to instant gratification you know through social media and and being plugged into all these you know gadgets i feel like people don't have the patience they used to have before of sitting down and and submerging themselves in a movie nowadays i feel like a lot of it has to be kind of very fast paced to make sure you don't lose the audience or something like that do you see any of that or, or it could it just be me projecting <laughs> you know my own so no no i mean there are demographics mm-hmm. and every any movie that you're going to see that's a studio film or even mm-hmm. not a studio film that's going to be released by a studio fits within those demographics it's yeah. pg-13 mm-hmm. because we got to get the teenage audience and if you don't do that if you don't do it that way you're going to have teenagers or preteens or whatever paying for some little crappy you know, G-rated or PG movie right. or PG-13 yeah. movie and sneaking into the R-rated. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the way they do it. I mean, that's, yeah. it's been doing, people, kids have been doing that for, uh, since the creation of PG-13 mm-hmm. uh, or product creation of R right. rates. And that's, so you're, you're losing money on the movie that mm-hmm. you made because you made mm-hmm. an R. Mm-hmm. So they're cognizant of that. And I, it's Crimson Peak uh, PG-13 or R? I can't remember. Oh, you got me there. I want to say it's R, but I am not 100% sure. In the old days, you could make an R-rated film like Alien, and you could Mm -hmm. get kids in there. Yeah. And it would make money. And now you've got to do the PG-13, which you can't show any gore, really. You can't show anything much more than boo. Mm -hmm. And you've got to have the other formula which is the kids the teenagers right. and you can't make it too deep because you get you know you you're you have to be careful of exactly what you said to right. not lose their attention you got to be the so and so you have it uh, the relatability of the ipod and the ipad and mm-hmm. so and so mm-hmm. um i just recently wrote a uh a horror script and the first thing i did was they're up on a mountain and their le- electronics do not work nice so, Goodbye cell phones. Goodbye tech. Mm-hmm. That school. doesn't work. Now you're screwed. Yeah. Okay. Now you have to deal with every with the elements, mm-hmm. and you know, that's mm-hmm. that's the best. Wow. Uh, and you know, I yeah. Did you see the movie? Uh, it was it was remade here, but it was the original was Belgian, I believe, and it was uh, Let the Right One In. Mm. No, uh, you got me on that one. Have you seen? I know, I'm trying to remember what the. The original it's about a little called. vampire girl. Uh-huh. It, it was it was based on a book, and it's called Let the Right One In, and they remade it as Let Me In, I think. With yeah, Chloe. yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. It was pretty big in Europe, I remember. The original one, you should see. Okay. It's super dark, and it's very sweet, actually. It's mm-hmm. a love story between this little boy and this little vampire girl. Yeah, Swedish, wow. right? gory as hell. It's scary and it's gory and it's disturbing, and it's so wonderful. It's it's one of the most. In the, I'd say in the last ten years, it's one of the most satisfying emotionally oh, wow. films I've I've seen. Oh wow! Uh, and 
it has all those details because you actually she's a monster, but mm-hmm. you care about her. Oh wow! And at mm-hmm. one point, I don't want to give away too much, but at one point, she literally hurts herself uh, and knows that she's she's killing herself because she loves him and she wants mm-hmm. to know that uh, he he's an immature little kid and she's like 50 years old, mm-hmm. but she looks like a little kid. And so she's standing there, uh, literally killing herself in front of him, uh, because she's, he says, well, why can't you do this? Prove it to me. And she's standing there bleeding and dying. And finally he just grabs her and holds her and says, I love you. I'm so sorry. God, you know, it just wow. tears you wow. up. Wow. Mm-hmm. No, that's heavy. That's, that's some heavy stuff. That's the kind of depth. That's yeah. the kind of depth. Yeah. yeah. And you can do it. You can get away yeah. with it. I don't know if that scene's in the American version. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, no, but let me one more to add to my list. Uh, I can tell you that much. Uh, people won't be seeing me for the rest of the month because I'm going to be watching a lot of these movies. Um, uh, Houston, we're almost out of time, but I don't. I can't let you go without asking you if you could share a little bit about you know. Earlier, we were talking about, you know, all the your favorite scary movies and, and your house and some of the stuff that's happening there. But you also made reference to the Ouija board. We talked about, you know, using the Ouija board in certain movies and things of that nature. And, you know, there are, I believe, you know, certain um, precautions one should take if one wants to do something like this. But I believe you have you had an experience with the Ouija board, correct? Yeah, uh, I had the Ouija board described to me. There was a man named Hans Holzer who mm-hmm. was a very famous. He was called the Ghost Hunter, and he wrote mm-hmm. many, many books. I got to meet him in New York in the late nineties, mm-hmm. and which was a big honor and thrill. And he explained to me that the Ouija board was a door to the gates of hell. Wow! And he may have been exaggerating a little bit, but not much. Because mm-hmm. you that that is. He said there are other ways to do it, but that by the propagating of putting that on a in a children's market and a, as a toy mm-hmm. and a game mm-hmm. is probably the sickest joke that anyone could have ever done. Because oh, wow. if you do it right and you've got someone with any psychic ability, you are begging for trouble. Mm. And because if something evil comes in there, you're going to have such a tough time. You got to throw it in a fire, and you have to say a prayer, oh, and wow. you have to bless it, and all this stuff. So, I, as a schmuck kid, this is before the whole um, meeting Hans Holzer. Uh-huh. I uh, was I was there with some friends of mine who were teenagers, and we were um, they were teenage boys. They were uh, triplets, I think, uh-huh. twins. Uh-huh. Uh, but maybe they were they were all brothers, regardless, and they all came from a psychic family and they were sitting there and we were all hands on the Ouija board and I was spooking it up, you know, and Oh, show us a sign, you know, I complete <laughs> jerk, you know, right. and suddenly the lights went out. Oh, wow. I, we darted out that room. <laughs> there was not a power failure. The uh-huh. light, you know, the thing worked after that. It, something came there, you know, and I spent the night at their house that night mm-hmm. and I did some studying and I, I didn't know they were psychic at mm, that point. Not really. Okay. And then they told me that other things had happened and that they have seen things that were not there and their oh, wow. father had and all this stuff. Yeah, I, oh, I never wow. did that again. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't blame you. Yeah, no, no. It's, I mean, I've I've heard different, you know, people tell me their experiences with Ouija boards, and I'm I've done it once or twice, but nothing really major happened, you know. Thankfully, 
at least I hope so. <laughs> you know I mean? mm-hmm. But uh, it's really, really, you know, it, it does make me nervous a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Every time I see somebody talking about it or trying to do something with them, I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. You know, like to this day, I have never touched a Ouija board. Oh, really? And it, it's one of those things when I was younger, quite yeah. a lot younger, my mother told me just don't ever touch it. And mm. I just respected that. Yeah. And, you know, she was Chinese and... They're very superstitious. Yeah. And since then, I was like, okay, I, I get it. Like, I, even giving it the benefit of doubt, I was just like, okay, yeah. let, let's just leave it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, you I, got, Hold it. You have German, Chinese, <laughs> Japanese, and British heritage? I'm, I'm totally confused now. <laughs> yeah. The, my mother's side is Chinese, Malaysian. My father's is Irish, German. <laughs> ah, so. Okay. It's an interesting combination, uh, <laughs> to say the least. And, you know, another horror film I, I highly recommend, too, actually, uh-huh. just before we leave. Uh, yeah, yeah. One is called Juliet of the Spirits. Mm. Oh, okay. It's a Fellini yeah. film. Uh-huh. It's, it's a Fellini film, and it's about this ghost, the spirit, telling this woman that her... There are two spirits. Uh-huh. Uh, one's a spirit of a horror, and mm-hmm. the other is a spirit of a, a, a saint. Mm. And one okay. is trying to convince this woman that her husband is cheating on her, mm-hmm. and the other one is trying to convince her to cheat on her husband and to slut it up and <laughs> wow. you know it, it's a brilliant yeah. movie and another movie is called eyes without a face okay and we're gonna make a that, list on our website yeah. that Houston one Huddleston inspired recommendations so many horror films it's called eyes without a face it's from 1959 and okay. it's still gruesome and still disgusting and scary and i, I won't say any more but those two are they're they're works of art they're not nice. just horror films they're absolute brilliant works of art well, we have a lot of homework to do. I can tell you that much. Uh, because, I'm going to enjoy it. But... Yeah, no, there's an impromptu list that we have put together here of some great uh, recommendations by by uh, Mr. Huddleston here. And, and believe me, he sounds like he knows what he's talking about, right? So I'm pretty sure if people love horror movies, they are going to enjoy these, these. And out. I'm looking forward to, to checking them out myself. Houston, why don't you tell people where they can uh, find your social media? Where can they keep up with all the developments of the Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum and the Horror Museum? Uh, go to our website. That will lead you to our Twitter, our mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, all that jazz. Uh, Tumblr. And that's HollywoodSciFi.com. Hollywood, S-C-I-F-I dot com. Uh, and the other is HollywoodHorror.org, O-R-G. Nice. Uh, but if if you lose either of those, just type in Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum or Hollywood Horror Museum, and you'll find, uh, you know, do a Google mm-hmm. or Yahoo search, and you'll find something about us, whether you want to or not. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I believe you'll be at the yes. upcoming Kamikaze, which yeah, we're looking weeks forward to. Yeah. Yeah. This is our third year there. They nice. are so awesome. gracious to us. Yeah, there are two companies that are, have just been so giving to us, and that's Comic Con uh-huh. and uh, Kamikaze, because Comic Con also owns WonderCon, and they always oh, give. Oh right, yeah. Because they know we have no money yet, and they know that uh, you know that's like a big draw for us to make money. Right. And so we're going to bring our TARDIS. Uh, that was used. <gasps> nice. So great. If you saw it on Conan O'Brien's show, it was. Peter Capaldi came out of our TARDIS. So, uh, My wow. sister's going to be so jealous. She's obsessed <laughs> yeah. with Doctor Who. <laughs> well, bring bring along, you know. We're going to be there all No, all I'm just going to take a picture and send it to you. Yeah, them. just make her jealous. <laughs> and we're going to have our Flintstone car there, and we're going to have, uh, I 
think what else are we gonna have? I, or, or, or we're gonna have our Enterprise D bridge from Star Trek Next Generation there for the last time. Oh wow! Until until next year when we open up our entire exhibit at uh, in Los Angeles. Nice. So uh, yeah, I just say if you're interested in us, go to our websites and sign up on our mailing list, and we will uh, we'll update you as far as uh, everything that's going on and where we're going to be and when and all that cool stuff. That's that's uh, really cool and really exciting. I, I must say that what you're doing is uh, it's not just fun, but it's also important because, you know, you're, you are preserving history, you know, movie, yeah, yeah. movie and film uh, history. Yeah, and like it's I said, cultural history. Yeah, as well. it's, it's, it's stuff that, like I said, it, it has played a major role in, in everyone's lives, really. Yeah. I think we've all seen a horror movie at least once. Most of us have seen more than one, and if we have many favorites. Suck. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's great that you're finally building a home, a sanctuary, if you will, for all these great, great things that is going to bring a lot of joy to people. And in the process, you're going to do the crazy thing of making learning fun. <laughs> You know, and yeah. uh, no, I'm being serious. I know that sounded like I was. I agree. <laughs> no, had, I'll tell you, had there been a museum like this, like the Sci-Fi Museum, uh -huh. I wouldn't have hated science right. in space because mm -hmm. uh, I found it so tedious and so just it wasn't my thing. Yeah. But when you give kids an option, or even adults an option, they don't walk into a museum. Oh, this is this type of museum. All right, well, I'm going to be bored off my ass in this museum because I'm not interested in this. Okay, yeah. we go to a museum that you're interested in this. Okay, but there's also this. Oh, and there's also this. Oh, and there's this too. Oh, wow, that's cool. Boom. You know, you got, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's the options. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, it's true. It's true. And like I said, I have, you know, uh, if there is ever anything we can ever do to help, if you need, you know, somebody to drive a DeLorean, say, you know, if you need to anyone the museum, to like or, test know, the museum. Know, yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'll be, count on, sign us up right away and we'll be there. <laughs> Even if you don't sign us up, I'll probably be there and see if I can make my way inside and, and see what's going on. But uh, no, Houston, thank you so much for, for being so gracious and so kind and, and generous with your time. We're going to stay in touch and keep up with all the developments because obviously this is exciting. And uh, if nothing else, we shall see you at Kamikaze. We'll be there uh, covering the event. And uh, hopefully we can get a chance to talk and see what, what's been happening in the world of sci-fi and horror. Awesome. This is a load of fun. I got to tell both, you know, both of you, this is a load of fun. Thank I, you uh, so much. I don't get to talk about horror films that often, really, and I've seen a lot because I've got a lot of friends who've done them, and you know, mm -hmm. but because uh, my world's been sci-fi for now almost you know three years, right? Uh, yeah. with the museum. But another one, Wicker Man, the original Wicker Man from oh, 1973. I heard about that. I need to watch yeah, that. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen the remake, but I heard that I Dude, need to watch the original. Oh <laughs> we're awful. We're awful. I know, sorry. <laughs> did, did I just lose all my credibility, like, right there? No, I think I did. <laughs> no. A lot of people did see it. Nicolas Cage, you know, yeah, bless yeah. him. It was yeah. just, it was yeah. not good. <laughs> we're just like, yeah. Christopher yep. Lee. <laughs> Christopher yeah. Lee was in the original, oh. and... And uh, it, it's just, it's a masterpiece, and it's unique. There's no movie like it. And I'll name one other rare one that's mm -hmm. going to be almost impossible to find in America, but I recommend you're looking for it. Uh -huh. It's called uh, the, uh, oh, shoot, uh, the Mark of, it was called the Mark of Satan, and I'm trying to think of the, the retitled version. Let's shoot. see. Let's uh, see if we well, can. Uh, next time. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll have to tell you next time. It's, yeah. it's a wonderful film. Yeah, if you if you uh, remember, you... Satan's Skin. It was also Mark called, of the Beast. Oh, no. Oh, no, the Hammer House in... of Horror. No, no. <laughs> I'm just skin. reading off random yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, Satan's Skin. If you type in that title, the other this title will show up on IMDb. But it's it's a really cr- blood uh, blood on Satan's claw. That's what it's called. Oh wow! Blood uh, on Satan's yeah. claw. Wow. It will blow your mind. The title itself, it really like, will. yeah, it left me speechless. That's quite the title there. Uh, and I'm looking Blood at the... Blood on the... Satan's Claw. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, I'm looking at the artwork and... Yeah, yeah no, it looks, no, no, uh, I, I am gen... I, I've already started yeah. compiling no, a list we're, we're of gonna movies. No, we're going to have to... We're going to fix all my chicken scratch here and we'll be sure to put it on, on, on the website, this list, because honestly, it's a great list. And like I said, I'm going to have a lot of fun checking some of these movies out. And maybe we can have you on the show in the near future and maybe get an update on, on how everything is going. And we can talk about some of these movies that we've watched. <laughs> yeah, tell me, you their, tell me if you hate them and hate me after seeing them. That's the, that's the bottom line. Yes, true, that's true, the, very we, true. We, we don't hate you yet, so it's all good. <laughs> no, you haven't seen the movies yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Wait. <laughs> don't, don't, you know, don't underestimate the power of hate of a movie. Uh, <laughs> that's true. It's like, thanks for ruining it. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but thank you so much yeah, for no, this interview. We've, we've had a blast. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And like I said, we, we look forward to, to hopefully seeing you at Kamikaze this year. And if people are going to be at Kamikaze, make sure to stop by and say hello to Houston and, and, and all the all the cool people that he's going to have there with the TARDIS and, and all this other cool stuff. It should be a blast. Mm-hmm. Houston Huddleston, everybody, thank you so much for being with us tonight. And like I said, we'll be in touch and have a, a great rest of your night. You too. Thank you. Take care. Thank have a great you. night. Bye bye. Wow. Genevieve, talk to me real quick while I uh, drink some water here. Yeah, water, water. <laughs> uh, I, honestly, I'm, I'm, I love finding out about new stuff, yeah, right? Yeah. And when it comes to movies, it's great getting that new list from someone. Even just hearing one movie when someone recommends yeah. it to you, you're like, hmm, I've never heard of that. Let me check it out. Yeah. Getting 20 movies thrown at you. Okay, oh, yeah. Maybe not quite 20. I, well, I knew we're some getting of up them. There. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's... I enjoy learning about these movies I've never heard of and talking to someone who who has similar niche interests. It's, it's great. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. And like I said, he, he's been around it all. He's talked to, to a lot of the people oh, responsible the people for yeah, creating <laughs> these, you know, iconic movies and to, you know, get a chance to discuss all this. It, it has been great fun. So if you miss any part of it, check out the website, WTRradio.com. Um, I know we're one show behind on there, but do not fret. We're going to have everything updated by uh, end of the week. Fingers crossed, knock on wood and all that good stuff. So check it out. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in, all that good stuff to keep up with the podcast. And, uh, that being said, we want to thank everybody that tuned in tonight, mm-hmm. like Professor Madness, Tony Merlo, and also Uncle Creepy in there for and a while. And we had Miss Becky yeah. B, yeah. and we had Kung Poo back again. Kung Poo, thank you. Repeat, he's officially a repeat, or a she, I'm sorry, I apologize. I, he, she. He, she. It's a repeat offender now, so welcome to the club. And with that being said, take care, be safe, God bless, don't do anything too crazy. We want to see you back next week. We're going to go out with another song from one of my all-time favorite movies. This one is from uh, the soundtrack of uh, Donnie Darko, which is another great borderline sci-fi horror thriller. Definitely, definitely on a culty side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you made it, though. 
Well, again, loved it. The soundtrack was amazing. And this is one of my favorite songs by The Church Under the Milky Way. Enjoy. We'll see you next week. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. West of the Rockies with Frank the Engineer on the Independent FM, Los Angeles.